0: Welcome to wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar, and today with me, I have my co-host, Light. Light. Hey, how's everyone doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing Excellent. Good. I'm doing. I've had a I've had a long day. I'm doing exhausted. Children are, <laughs> children are quite a thing. Yeah, takes, I feel you. It takes a certain skill in order to raise those children.
1: I do not have that skill set myself, so I'd be rolling a lot of ones. What what skill sets would you say you have? Um I would say eating a lot of fried rice is probably a good skill I, set of mine. I did exactly that tonight, believe it or not. I <laughs> had a big old thing of fried rice for dinner before we came out of here. <laughs> I got a I got I got a pot actually brewing upstairs right now.
0: <laughs> I ate I ate a little too much. I had that in the general's house chicken for dinner and then ah, I'm pretty I'm pretty delicious. cool. <laughs> Well, we're going to talk about skills. I think cooking is one of those skills sometimes. And we've discussed skills before, but I want to, I want to talk a little bit more about skills and different aspects of skills. Light, would you, would you take us off on skills?
1: Yeah, for sure. So with the, a lot of the earlier editions of Dungeons & Dragons, AD&D, and basic expert sets, you know, uh, you really didn't have specific uh, skills that you could develop, you know, your character class had some general skills, you know, uh, wizards could cast spells, clerics could heal, um, thieves could go around and do sneaky stuff, but there weren't really um, developmental skills that you could add on to uh, spice your character up in traditional uh, AD&D and D&D. It wasn't until, I believe, some of the later editions that you could start picking up some other um, odd and end skills, especially with the different game systems that are out there.
0: I know that second edition Advanced Dungeons & Dragons had proficiencies, non-weapon proficiencies which are essentially similar to skills and then they came out i believe it was after wizards of the coast bought the company they came out with a skills and powers book that kind of added skills into second edition as well and it kind of over i'm going to say overcomplicated the game we use yeah
1: for sure because by 3.5 and even with a 5e you have like background skills and then you have feats and um it got a little bit like you said, a little bit complicated. Yeah. Now the second
0: edition book, what they did, one of the things they did was they broke even. Uh, your your eight or six attributes to to twelve attributes. And you twelve. Divided, yeah, you divided like. Like like charisma is broken down to like, I think one was kind of like a beauty and one was kind of like your traditional charisma type Uh, thing.
1: Physical physical beauty versus like personality, let's say.
0: Yeah, it was something like that. So they broke them all down. Each one of the ones got broke down to two and you could divide your attributes between them. It was kind of weird. And that's when they added like those new skill rules and stuff. And that got a little a little much.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like some basic skills just for flavor, but then some of the other skills, whether it's just way too many, way too complicated and way too many bonuses. So I felt like it's detracted from the game itself. Yeah.
0: The way that non-weapon proficiencies worked in the second edition was you would roll a 20-sided die under the corresponding attribute that it went with. Like here, it has animal lore was under your intelligence. So if you were to use your animal lore, you'd have to roll under your intelligence. And some of them had pluses or negatives to the modifier which i guess you would add that to your to I your roll yeah to well not to your roll you'd add it to your like so it has a plus 1 for the intelligence you add it to the intelligence oh
1: you add yeah, it to intelligence so, so intelligence. if you had
0: an intelligence of 12 and you got a plus 1 it would be a 13 you have to roll under the 13 for your check that's how it would have worked so it didn't actually add to the roll it added to
1: your attribute ah uh, okay because i know yeah so like with ose we've been playing with uh, rolling under your attribute score yes which is you know pretty straight straight rows, so not too complicated
0: and some additions, or some of the, like, Swords and Wizardry, I think, is the one that uses, uh, is one of the ones they use instead of a 20, you'd use a 3d6, or if it's a little easier, you'd use a 2d6, or if it's harder, you roll a 4d6 and try to roll under uh, the attributes using the six-sided dice. So that deviates that way. And then, of course, you have Call of Cthulhu and Palladium, he used a percentile base.
1: Which are personally in, like, their skill systems from the Chaosium, uh, Call of Cthulhu. Um, system for setting up your skills and dividing your skill points and such. So for me, I do quite enjoy that percentile system.
0: I used I, years ago. I ran a AD&D campaign where we used pretty much the Chaosium system of leveling up and of doing skill checks. We created skill percentages for a house rule for our AD&D game, and that worked out really well.
1: And you were about to mention something on the Castles and Crusades system for checking. Oh yeah, skills. castles
0: and crusades is a bit different. They have the the, and so as a lot of these will have a, a CL for the third edition later. Like like the game master will give a random number, you have to roll over the siege engine with castles and crusades. Instead of having skills, what it does for its core is they do attribute checks. So you'd say, well, what skill would that correspond with, and you'll do an attribute check, and you get to choose. Humans get what three primes? Three primes, yeah. yes. And non-humans get two primes. And what a prime yep. is, you'll mark it on the side, like a little circle on the character sheet. And if you're rolling to do an attribute check and it's prime, you only have to beat a 12. So you roll your 20, add your attribute modifiers, which would be like a one to a three, and you have to beat that 12. But if it's not prime, you have to beat 18. And what that's means Eight, int- 18 on. is pretty hard to beat. <laughs> yeah, and... It depends, though, too, if you have other bonuses. Now, the way that we had ran it was if you had if it was a a class skill or a class ability that related to your class, you also got to add your class level to it, which made you excel at your class things a little easier and make them shine. That's so anybody can try to sneak around and do yeah. an agility check, but a thief is going to have that bonus. That they can add their class and everything else on when they're trying to
1: do that. Yeah, so the, as Logan mentioned, you know, it was either 12 or 18, which was your base challenge level. Depending on the difficulty of the task, actually could go up or down <laughs> Yeah, as well too.
0: One, thing I do, I'm not a, one, one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of having skills in a game, and it depends on the game because some games I do like skills in. I like a skill-based game. But when it comes to a class-based game, I don't like the skills as much. I've noticed like when we're, if you're playing D&D and you have a bunch of skills and a bunch of different things written on your paper, a lot of players will tend to look and read to see what they can do as opposed to coming up with something and say, oh, okay, hey, I'm going to do this because they have so many things there. They're looking for how they can use this on their sheet. And they don't really act, as, like, act their character out and direct their characters out as spontaneous as they otherwise would with like, if you we were playing like BX with OSE and something like that.
1: Yeah, it definitely. You know, inhibits, like you said, the uh, role playing creativity versus the dice rolling. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it, it leads to R O L L role play instead of R O L E role playing the role, is what I feel about some of those more complex systems. They push everything has to is based on a role system, whereas, like when you're reading through the second edition uh, players' handbook and they're talking about non-weapon proficiencies is telling you not to roll most of the time for them. it's like yeah they can just do it because they're proficient in it but if there's a situation where they could fail it could impact things you can do an attribute check based on the attributes based on so i'm a fan of not rolling 99 percent of the time when you're doing skills and stuff like okay can i do this and then as a dungeon master like i've heard people put it as like well, is, if it's in the heat of battle, you probably do need to be doing a roll to see if you succeed or not. If you've got, like, arrows flying and it's detrimental to the moment, that's probably a good time to be doing the roll. If you're setting up camp and taking your time and cooking, you probably don't need to make a, a, a check to roll to cook or roll to set up your tent, and roll to, you know, all those things.
1: Exactly. It should be only when you're under stress or duress that you need to make a, some type of um, actual dice roll. You know, so you know it was difficult. You should do do a, do a check, but if it's under normal circumstances,
0: eh. <laughs> no check. I like the way that like like some of the BX editions and uh, first edition and Swords and Wizardry uh, OSE does things, where you're doing a check with random, like d sixes, and one is the success if you roll that for like looking for doors or hearing sounds. Right. I like that type of check. I don't know why I like that so much. I, I like how uh, sonicing swordsman and Sorcerers of hyperborea when we're playing that you like a one d twelve yeah one through seven <laughs> out of a d twelve When I roll that d twelve and trying to roll low to get that thing that is good. I like those checks a lot I know that that's how Logar the barbarian has the ability to suck venom out <laughs> Yep I, I'm trying to remember what the roll is on that it's something out of twelve. Uh, but I can't remember exactly now I got the character sheep, and that's on the other side of the character, the
1: back of the thing Yeah, so, so that's I, like a class that What class skill for the Barbarian to be able to suck venom out of someone's arm or leg or something like that
0: Yeah, and that check's done with a 12 the lower, the, the more successful you are as opposed to the higher I like those kinds of checks
1: when I'm working with skills and stuff like that Yeah, I also like the uh, D20 me- mechanic, which has a difficulty challenge, mm-hmm. and then you have to roll a D20 plus whatever attribute bonus you have and get above the difficulty challenge so i find that mechanic um pretty simple so occasionally i'll use that as well too if i can't find any other attribute you know check the lines up cleanly yeah
0: i i've not as i love so that works with that's the castle similar to how the castles and crusades yep. work that's all right i kind of i really like that idea of using 3d6 under the attribute or 2d6 or 4d6 adjusted that is one that I'm really like, I'm dying to run a game with that. <laughs> That'd be fun.
1: Yeah, we think, should definitely try that out.
0: Yeah. I think that if I do get to run in swords and wizardry again, we're we'll definitely going to be using a lot of that. And I think we did that when we did the blight with swords and wizardry. Yeah. We're about uh, on time. Do you have anything to add to the discussion of skills today?
1: Um, nope. I'm curious to see you know what our listeners have to say in regards to doing skills and attribute checks because there's so many different methods. So I'm always interested in learning, learning new ones.
0: Yeah, we need to check out some other, like, like look at like what Year Zero system does and stuff like that next time we address skills through a, a couple other systems and see how they do it. Yep. I'd like to look at that Star Wars role-playing game and see how they do it, because that thing's interesting. I need to bust that out and start looking at some of the mechanics of that for this. <laughs> I like,
1: they got some weird dice, don't they?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an interesting game. I've got it, but I haven't ran it yet. I'm curious. I, the The mechanics interest me, but I haven't really gotten a chance to mess with it. That's about all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to Wobblies and Wizards. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it on social media. Share a link to this episode or any other ones you've enjoyed. Let your friends know about us. Go ahead and follow us on Facebook at Wobblies and Wizards on our page. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. You can follow our blog online, wobbliesandwizards.com, and keep those dice rolling.
1: And may you always roll successes on your checks,
0: low or high.